Welcome to Momentum Church. So this is the second week in a series that we have been calling If I Am Being Honest. And last week we looked at, if I'm being honest, I want people to see the best of me, not the worst of me. And I, mean, I told you a little bit about last week running on the trail, trying to breathe, and going up the hill, and the old guy calling me out, you know, you got it, buddy, and me feeling for some weird reason, like I had to defend myself to this, this octogenarian. I don't know why, but as he was coming on the flat part down, and I'm going up the hill, and he had to just encourage me, I was like, 14 miles, man, I've went 14 miles today, you know, I just had to, he had to know this, and, and that was my like pride, arrogance, right? That was me hiding behind a face. Like, I didn't want him to see me struggling. Well, guess what? Your pastor matured in one week. I was running yesterday, and I'm almost back to the Red Top Visitor Center, and as I'm climbing this last hill, and the guy, like, is coming this way, and it was like, you're almost there. Got one of those. And I wanted to be like, yeah, I've gone 12 miles already, but I didn't, because I've matured. You guys helped me last week in my sermon, and I realized I didn't have to put that mask on. And guess what your pastor said to that person that has just come one mile from the visitor center? I said, thank you. That's what I said. So we do grow. Amen? Ah, this week, this week, um, we're going to be looking at this subject. And, and this, is, this is something that I think every single person in this room, you either have experienced or are experiencing, or you will experience this emotion or this kind of quandary, and it's this. If I'm being honest, I often feel like I'm on the verge of losing it. Anybody with children in here? (laughs) Yes, yes. But be honest. I mean, there's been times in my life where I'm just like, I'm on the verge of losing everything. I'm on the verge of losing it, you know? I don't know what that it is for you, but you've been there before where you just felt like, I can't take one more defeat. I can't take one more negative thing. I can't take one more loss. I just, I'm on the verge of losing it. How many in this room, you have either felt that way before, well, let's just say that. You felt that way before. I'm not going to rat you out and say you're feeling that way right now. But there are people in this room that have experienced that. There's people in this room right now, you may be feeling it right now, like you're on the verge of losing your ever-freaking-loving mind. You're on the verge of losing your peace. You're on the verge of losing, maybe you're on the verge of losing your business. And it reminds you so much of back during the Great Recession. Remember that time back during the Great Recession? Man, that was difficult. We were planting a church right in the middle of that. And so finances are tight again right now. And it's kind of like, oh, are we going to go back to that two, three-year experience? Is that what's going to happen? Sales aren't as good. And so the enemy comes and begins to speak to you that you are on the verge of losing it all. Maybe it's on the verge of losing your marriage. And you're saying, I know it takes two, but it feels like only one of us is working on this. And I feel like I'm on the verge of losing that relationship. Maybe for you, it's your adult kids and the relationships are strained and you feel like you're on the verge of losing your kids. I don't know what it might be for you, but every one of us in this room, at times we get to that place where we feel like if we're being honest with ourselves, we feel like we're about to lose, lose it all. And here's how the enemy of our heart works. You ready for this? The devil, he loves for you when you feel that emotion to feel like you are all alone in that emotion. He loves it. He wants you to own this thought. He wants you to go, nobody else has ever felt this way before. 
or nobody else I'm going through. The people I see smiling at church, they don't know all the hell I'm going through. And when I say hell, I mean like literally, it feels like hell. I heard a man say, if you're going through hell, don't stop, keep going, amen? Like you're gonna go through it. But that sense of nobody else, yeah, it's easy for them to worship, it's easy for them because they're not on the verge of losing it all, and so we have a sense of being alone in our emotions. But not just that, there's a time at times when we begin to feel that way, we pull away physically too. We start to pull away, so relationally and physically we become alone, and the enemy loves that, you know? And what I want to do this morning, I want to try something just as an illustration. I want, I'm going to have, I'm going to somebody, Barbara, stand up for me. Would you? Thank you. You're always so pretty. So I want to do something that's really difficult. I want you to turn around and face everybody. And I didn't tell her I was doing this because I wanted to, I wanted to feel awkward, mama. <laughs> this is Dave's mother. She's so wonderful. But she's standing there facing all of you. A room full of people, but I'm just going to be honest. The longer she stands there, it feels weird. Look around, Barbara. Everybody's facing you. Everybody, it's like you're standing alone in a room full of people. You, 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 you feel vulnerable. You feel kind of like um, um, insecure, maybe. I don't know. I don't think you ever feel insecure, though. She's like, no. <laughs> but still, that idea, you know, you're standing there. You feel alone in your pain or in your experience. And it can feel awkward and it can feel vulnerable. You know, what are they thinking? Do they like my hat? And we do. We really do. Yeah. But look at that, Barbara. You against the world. You against everybody, if you will. Just you standing alone. Go ahead and have your seat, if you would. You've been there before. You've been there before where you felt like the deer in the headlights. You felt that awkwardness of feeling like you're alone. You've been there before. And I want to look at a passage of scripture. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I want to look at a passage of scripture that that is about David and something that happened where he did lose it all. All right, And I want to see how he managed this, this experience, and I think we can extrapolate from it some of the ways that we can find help when we feel like, if we're honest, we're about to lose it all too. All right, so let's stand to our feet. We're going to honor God's word by reading the first passage together for the day, and I want you to understand this. This tells us something. As we look at this, it just tells us it may not be the level of loss that David faced to the Amalekites, but it tells us this. You will face loss and pain. I'm just going to tell you right now. All right? Be encouraged. You're going to face loss and pain. Aren't you glad you came? Amen? Now, every one of us, we're going to have that experience, and I'm going to liken that experience over here. We're going to have that experience where there's some pain, some loss, something that causes us, either we've already lost it or we feel like we're on the verge of losing it. There's some crises that happens, all right? Every one of us faces those moments. And so here we see David, and it says, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. This is the town where they lived, the city, the community. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and they attacked Ziklag, and they burned it with fire, and they had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their own way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was. It was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. We have lost everything. 
This is where we find David and his men. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you guide our conversation this morning? Lord God, would your anointing be strong in this house? Lord, there are people here that feel like they have lost everything, or they have lost everything. Lord God, bring your spirit that comforts today, Jesus, and let all of us leave this place encouraged in your name. Amen. You can have your seat. And so with this, we see a great loss. This is a loss that's really tied to relationships. Sometimes the most painful things we deal with in life are relational. And so we see it's a relational loss. It kind of pushes into it a little bit more in that aspect in 1 Samuel 35 and 6. David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So we can see he's lost his own brides. He's lost them. And also, not just that, he's lost the respect of the people. If anybody knew I felt this way, if anybody knew what I've experienced, I would lose respect. He's lost the respect of the people. They feel that he is to blame for the travesty that they are in. And and in some ways, he probably was. But in the moment, he is being accused. They're wanting to stone him. You have done this to us, which further, to me, would bring forth isolation on his part. It would further cause him to feel separate, standing against everyone else, standing there, what am I supposed to do? And so we can find here that he is facing a great pain and a great loss. And I'm telling you that every one of us will face pain and loss. The difference between his story and your story is his story is written in the Bible, and we can see the end. That's the difference. You know what I mean? Like, like, like we have the benefit of seeing this to the end and knowing that they went and received and recovered everything back, and so we can go into the story with less emotional weight, a less emotional baggage. You don't have that benefit for what you're going through, because in your life, you have the pain or the loss or the impending loss, and yes, God has a plan, okay, way over there, but you have this gap of the not yet, okay? You have this, the gap, everybody say the gap of not yet, and that stinks, Because I feel this impending loss, and I know God's able, but not yet. (laughs) There's this gap that you got to go through. And that's what I want to help you bridge. I want to help you understand that you are not alone. I want to help you understand that there is a way to bridge this gap of the not yet, that God can protect your heart until you walk into what he has for you. And so we're going to be looking at this in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. We'll go a little bit further. We're going to start where we were and then add a little. Now, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But, everybody say but. Here's what it says. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So that was the first thing. He realizes the loss, and in this moment, or I will say in the impending loss, in that moment, he finds his strength in the presence of God. It's a good, good next step, right? When you're going through stuff. He finds his strength. That word strength in the Hebrew is hazak, and it means to become strong, to prevail. It means to harden. Ooh, I love that. To harden. 
to be courageous. I want to go back to Harden. A lot of times when you go through things, you can go to the presence of the Lord and become hardened. And when I say hardened, encouraged or strengthened, I mean like steel is hardened, like a sword is hardened through the tempering process and becomes hard and strong. The problem is sometimes we go through that. I'm on the verge of losing everything or I have lost everything and we don't go to the Lord. Guess what? We still get hardened We just don't get tempered. It's a different kind of hardening. It's not a hardening that lends to strength for the fight, for the battle. It's a hardening that I would liken it to being calloused. It's the hardening of a heart. And no matter how hard, I just don't feel him anymore. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. Thank God we don't determine our lives based on feelings, amen? But still, that heart starts to get hard. And it's a hard way to carry in the gap of not yet. A hard heart. It's a very hard thing to carry through that gap. It won't get you to the other side. It won't get you to the place of provision. A hard heart won't. So we can see David. He could have hardened his heart against those relationships. You punks come up against all those men. Don't you know who I am? Don't you? I defeated Goliath. You know, I defeat, I feel like, like I can float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. I defeated Goliath. I defeated the, the bear. I defeated the, 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 the lion. You know, don't you know who I, no. He could have gotten real hard, but he, he didn't go to the people. He went to God first. And so number one, you're going to face pain and you're going to face struggle. But like David, listen to the kind of prayers that he would say here in the Psalms. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. He knew that's where his help lied, and he went to God. So number two, you're going to face stuff. One, two, you will need to face God. When you're going through stuff and you feel that question that, like, I'm on the verge of losing everything, run to him, not away from him. Run into the presence of God. David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And so the ephod was a garment the priest would wear, or the man would wear going into prayer, going in to seek the face of God. And so we're going to be actually looking at that in September. I'm doing a series on the tabernacle. And I don't know if you guys are excited about that. I am. It's going to be an awesome series. But the ephod they would wear when they went before the Lord. And so he goes before the Lord. Why? Because he needs a word from God, not a word from Bubba. Because Bubba's wanting to stone him, right? He needs to hear something from the one that can actually bring peace in the midst, the one that can actually bring provision, the one who actually has his heart's best interest in mind. He needs to hear the one, forget all that God could do for him. He needed to hear from the one that was his creator that deserved him to come to him and lean into him. So he goes to God to hear this word and he asks, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And in other words, he was being transparent with God. We could see where he was transparent, you know, um, 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 early on with, with those, 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 those men and himself, but we can see here him being transparent with God. He, he says in another psalm, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. In other words, all those fears he brought to God when he came face to God. Here's how I feel. This is what I'm experiencing. These are my emotions. This is the pain. This is the sense of loss or impending loss. 
And he got real transparent with God as he asked, shall I pursue these troops? Shall I overtake them? And God said, pursue, for you shall overtake them. And without fail, you will recover all. Oh, I love that. I love that. You're going to recover all. Everybody say recover all. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's the thing about that. That transparency with God, he didn't remain hidden from God. In the midst of that situation, he went to God. He didn't go and try to find another foreign power to ally to help him against. He didn't go on his own strength. No, he went to God, so he got transparent with God. Just be honest with God. Guys, I'm telling you right now, years ago, we faced thing after thing after thing. I haven't told this story in a long time, so I'm going to tell it for your uh, newer people's benefit. We faced thing after thing in the early days of the church, and then I went deaf. And I was so mad, like, God, what in the world? I remember telling God one time, praying, this is how transparent I got. God, I'm not selling crack cocaine down here. I'm trying to tell people about you. And I keep going through all these hardships, you know, and now I'm deaf. Like, what in the world, you know? And so upset, so upset with the Lord. Just, just felt let down. But man, I was able to go to him and, and just be real with the Lord, you know? Just, just lay it out. I don't trust you. I told God that one time. I, I told God, I'm not talking to you. You know what talking to God is? That's prayer. So in other words, I said, I'm not praying. And for two months, I didn't pray. I'm serious. This is years ago. And, and man, I preached, but I didn't pray. Those sermons were bad. <laughs> they weren't good at all, you know? It's like, yeah, I was telling people, like, love Satan. No, I wasn't, no, uh, wasn't, no, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't nothing that bad. <laughs> but it was, it was not good. And, um, but, all, but I was transparent with the Lord. And I did. I told him, I said, God, I don't talk to people I don't trust, and I don't trust you. And it took about two months of just coming. I would literally go to the altar at church, and I would sit in, at the altar, like sit right here, not at the, old, at the old building, and I would just sit there. And I would tell him how I'm not talking to you but I knew I needed to be in his presence, and I just would sit. And he was good, and he was patient with me. And then one day, they're sitting. Man, power of God just got on me. And um, for some reason, guitar always brings... I get my hillbilly guitar, and I sing old hillbilly worship songs that I grew up with. And man, I just sat there and had a worship session, and just, oh, so powerful, you know? And so just get transparent. He already knows you need to know. He, he knows you just need to express that to open your heart to his healing, you know? And so, with that, be transparent with God. And the thing about it is, at that moment, his heart was encouraged, right? Hazaked, he was encouraged. But he wasn't able to go attack and get everything back by himself, was he? Was he able to go recover all alone? No. Something else had to happen. Not saying God's not enough, but God always co-labors with man when it comes to getting stuff done here in the earth. Amen? He always partners with man, and it's no different with David. A partnership had to happen, and he had to start to be transparent with others. He had to go before those people that wanted to stone him, you know? He had to go before those people, kind of like Barb standing up. It's like, do they like me? I don't know. Do they like my dress? Do you know, like, like what's all these, you know, are they going to be good to me? Are they, you know, he had to go before with transparency to these people and kind of make his case of what God has told him and trust they're going to listen and trust they're going to believe. And, and basically, all I'm saying is when you're living in the gap of not yet, when you're in this gap, you've got to have allies. It's not enough. I know it sounds horrible to say it's not enough to have only God in your life, but that's not how God works. 
Even with Adam, it's not good for a man to live alone. He made Eve. He wants us in community. And so God encourages him. Yes, you're going to recover all. His next step is to get transparent with people. The very people he might have been a little afraid of. The very situation might have made him a little bit nervous. But he had to get transparent with them. And I want to encourage you to find your allies. But there are things that keep us from connecting with others. There's people, especially when we go through stuff, you know. Nobody else is experiencing what I'm experiencing. They won't understand. Or a sense of insecurity. What will they think of me if they knew? Maybe that's an embarrassment. I guess they kind of go hand in hand. Feeling embarrassed that you're in this situation, you know? And so it keeps you isolated. It keeps you alone and pulled away. Maybe it isn't just embarrassment and insecurity. Maybe flat out it's just your pride. You know? I was raised to do everything on my own. Well, that's great if you're getting it done, but you ain't getting it done. I was raised to take handle manners by myself. I know, but you're not. You're suffering in silence. You're suffering alone, and your pride is keeping you from the ally that God wants you to give you in the midst of the gap of not yet. Amen? Receive it if you need it. Come on. So that's a familiar ally. These are people he knew. These are the same ones that he wasn't sure about, but he knew these people. David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook. And so there's, there's 600 of them, 200 of them. It's the journey. When they came down from Ziklag to Ziklag, it was about a 50-mile journey. And so they had made that trip. The men are tired. I'm sure they're spent, too, emotionally with all their families gone. And so 200 of them stayed back. But there was a group of 400 that became allies to him that were going to go and recover all. They were going to go there together, all right? And, and here's the wild thing. On the journey, they run into another ally. Because you have familiar allies. These are things that you're kind of expecting, people in your life. But here's what's wild. And every one of you have been there before. You're on your journey, and as you're journeying, next thing you know, an unlikely ally shows up. A relationship you never expected. Somebody in your life. In the first service, Chris and Sylvia Cavamani were here. They're from India. And they've been here a few years, and God brought them our way. And I was telling them, you have faced adversities and moving and, and challenges, having a baby with no family around. And, and God brought them Kendra and, and Earl, like a grandma and grandpa here, you know? And then they're on their journey, and, and God brings them to momentum. And I told them, I said, on your journey, you never realized God was going to bring you by and give you such a great pastor. You didn't know. You just had to be on the journey, though. You know, they didn't just stay over here. We don't know anybody. We're feeling all this tension. No, they began to go into that gap of not yet. And now they're walking a lot of neat things that God is bringing their way. So there's unlikely allies. In other words, allies that you meet on the journey through the gap of your not yet. And so 1 Samuel 30, verse 11 through 13, on their way to find out wherever these Amalekites are, they don't have no clue, it says they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David and they gave him bread and ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back. Back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and nights. And then David said, To whom do you belong and where are you from? So they run into this Egyptian guy, 
And I'll just paraphrase. Basically, he says, I am the, the slave or the servant of an Amalekite master. And we were brought down together with the Amalekites. And he doesn't realize who David is. He tells him, we burned a city and we burned Ziklag in this area, this region. And we're on our way back. And I've basically gotten away from them. And so, but he has no food. He has nothing. And so the deal, David says, look, we'll feed you and take care of you if you'll tell us where the Amalekites are. If you'll point us, help us get to the provision that God has for us on this journey. If you can help us, we won't ratch out. And so he agreed to it. Just don't tell my master. And they didn't. And he agreed and pointed to where the Amalekites were. And David and his men were able to find the Amalekites. Literally, the guy was an unlikely ally that they never would have met had they not just stepped out into the journey of going across the gap of not yet. Does that make sense? That ally. Excuse me. And the reason why it's so important to have allies in your life, David could not have conquered the Amalekites alone. He needed to have these allies in that journey toward the provision God had. The reason why is because alone you'll lose every time. Let me say it this way. You lose alone. We win together. I'm going to say it again. You lose alone. We win together. That's so important to know because when you have that question, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm going to lose it all, there's just something about that sense that drives you to isolation. There's just something about that sense, especially if you're men, all right, that just drives you to pull away. I'm going to handle business myself. And then that isolation just go into a further darkness, further sense of loss, and so you lose alone, but we win together. And I want to, before I preach a little bit more, I want to give you one win. Can I, as a church, I'm so proud of you guys, how we won together. A few weeks ago, I had mentioned about the kids' ministry and how we're facing a good problem, you know? Last week's attendance was the highest attendance we've had since COVID. Amen? Yeah. This whole summer, we've had kids, like tons of families coming, kids' ministries just exploding, and we needed more people that were qualified to volunteer. So we had people in the church that were qualified, they just weren't serving. And so you all rallied, and I just want to give you a little bit of a testimony of how we won together, all right? So last week, we had 35 middle schoolers downstairs during, during church. That's crazy. And another 20 on Wednesday night for high school. So 55 kids in a small church like ours. That's amazing. And here's the best part about that. The best part is we had staff, new team members, amen, that volunteered that were a part of those two experiences. So Pastor Tyler wants me to send you a thank you for responding to the teaching recently and rallying because God is bringing us a harvest as a church, amen? And we're rising up in responsibility to take that care of that harvest. And so that's the celebration that we have as we win together. And then Pastor Adelie, our children's pastor, the same way. They've had 50 plus kids in just Kids Church alone, not counting all the other children. I mean, just crazy this summer. And last week she was like, hey, she said, you know, I was able to, to man everything I needed the way I needed to man all the rooms and all the things. In other words, she had the volunteers. We can always use more volunteers. Amen? Go through the process to get qualified. But I just wanted to brag on that because that's a huge win for us because God is bringing a harvest to us. We've got to take care of that harvest. And you are doing that, and I'm proud of you. All right, so you lose alone, we win together. Let's go back into the word, 1 Samuel 30, verse 16 through 19. And when he had brought him down there, 
they were, when, and, and when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Verse 18 So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David, everybody shout it, recovered all. Yeah, David recovered all, amen? So he went from this place of loss into the face of God, getting transparent with the Lord, and then getting transparent with the people and finding those allies that were present, but also the ones he discovered on the way. And now together, he is there walking into the victory that God had for them. Together, you lose alone, but we win together. And I want to show you as we close today, just an amazing picture of people at Momentum Church that are winning together. Let's look at this picture. This is awesome. This is a small group, everybody. Isn't that neat? So this is a journey group here. And um, this is Natalie Butterworth. We'll wave your hand. Natalie and Thomas. All these people go to their house. And so, in different people's houses. But, but this is their small group. And they just had a little pool party a few weeks ago. And, um, and I, I told them I was going to use the picture. And then she sent me another picture because they did something else, I think, last week. And we're only using one picture. You don't get two. No. So, um, but this is their group, and, and I want to speak a little bit about how powerful, you know, because we recover all together, we win together. Cassandra, wave your hands, this is Cassandra, she said this, I love how it's not just a surface relationship, this is about the, youth, the, the small group, we all open up and share the good, the bad, and the ugly in our lives. The best part is that there's no judgment towards anyone. We can count on each other to pray for, encourage, and challenge one another. These ladies are my tribe, and I foresee them being in my life forever. Everybody say, aw. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that neat? And, and here's the thing about that. You might be like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I need friends like that. And if I had friends like that, we would have a group like that. Don't miss what I just said. All right? If I had friends like that, we would have a group like that. Can I tell you how this group started? Natalie, in January 2nd, 2020, she posted on Facebook, would anyone be interested in joining me for this study? And she put a picture of a book. We're going to meet every other Monday night at the Copper Coin in Woodstock starting January 13th. Not 100% sure on what time yet. You mean you didn't have it all figured out when you started going? No. Not sure what time we're going to start. Comment here or message me if you're interested. Is that wild? Like, like, it wasn't like she had this whole big group of people. She's just... Starting to put the word out. Barbara, would you stand up? Would you stand up? <laughs> Face everybody. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Tiffany, stand up. Yeah. I'm going to have one more person over here. Let's have, let me see, who do I want to stand over here? I'm trying to, Colby. Stand up, my brother. All right, so you see now you have three people here standing, all right? This is kind of how it feels. It's like Natalie's looking for a group, right? And, and they're standing. It still feels kind of weird, huh, Colby? You know, it's like, 
Like, yeah, I see other people up and around. There's some other people, but I'm still kind of alone. I'm still kind of separated. That, that's, that's how it is in life sometimes. It feels better. Barbara, does it feel better having Colby and Tiffany kind of at least standing up facing the same direction as you? Does it feel a little better than earlier? A little less insecure, a little less vulnerable. That's kind of how when you're going through life and you hear a story of somebody that's going through something, you don't know them, but you're like, Oh, yeah, that's what I'm experiencing too. It starts to resonate with you. It starts to give you an encouragement that this gap is navigable, you know? But it doesn't really give you that ally yet. It's just kind of a little bit of hope. Does that make sense? All right? And, 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 and I think I have, I think I, I, I had Colby stand up because us men are the worst, you know? Because we not only feel alone, but a lot of times us men, like, we got this figured out. We can take care of everything, you know? We'll, we'll just, we'll kill the dragon, rescue the princess, and... Make hibachi, I don't know. You know, it's like we got it all figured out. And I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> Although I, I like hibachi. So, um, but no, it's like, like you guys can go ahead and have a seat. So, but you can see people in the room like that, but it's, and it's encouraging, just not quite there just yet, you know? And so that's kind of what was going on. Natalie's just kind of like, I know there's got to be some others around. I know there's got to be. And she puts the word out. And those allies started to be discovered along the way, right? Those people that was joining in and connecting that literally has helped many of these girls get past some of the worst things in life to experience, those allies were found along the way. Natalie said, our group started meeting in January of 2020. The timing of that initial study allowed us to lean on one another through all the complexities of COVID. And I'm not sure how things would have gone without that network of support. The ladies that attend our group have become like family to me. We've shared in every win and every loss. We cry together, celebrate together, and have grown together in our walk with the Lord. We communicate regularly through our week to update and pray for one another through every circumstance. We hold each other accountable and encourage and motivate one another so we don't stay stuck where we are or miss out on God's best. So we don't stay stuck and miss out on what God is trying to do, right? bring recovery, bring healing, bring hope. We hold each other accountable. In the last year, we started bringing our families together so that our husbands, those men in our lives that need so much help, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't say that. I just, I know them. We all need help. And the children, they can be a part of this sense of community and family that we've built. I can't imagine doing life without these wonderful ladies, my sisters in Christ. In the first service, Auden, another lady in the group, the lady in the gray hair there, she said, honestly, when I first invited myself to small group, it was scary. I love that. She invited herself. Yeah, but they won't receive me. There are already people that know each other. They don't know who I am. She invited herself to small group, it says. But it was needed. I'm a strong, independent woman. So why invite more people into my business? I can handle this. As my life continued to go on, I started to know why. I started to see other strong, independent women also having life struggles. They, they had been through things I was going through and could help navigate the life things as God would lead us together. It also allowed me to help others from my testimony. I was not alone. Their families became my families. My struggles became their struggles and vice versa. And I told her, I said, you could not have written this out of my sermon any better. She, I mean, like, like she didn't know what I was preaching on. Even when I became weak, they stand in the gap with me or I stand in the gap with them. That gap of not yet. Everyone, not yet. We're not yet there. We're getting there, but not yet. My miracle's coming, but it's not here yet. 
My hope is coming. Not yet. So what are you doing in this? You're facing God. You're finding allies. And you're going together to recover all. Amen? There it is. The gap. Without my life, people, without my life, people, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have godly people to stand by my side to help me to be the person I am today. I also would not have had the opportunities to stand by their side to pray, guide, and laugh with them. And so that idea of living in the gap of not yet, you've got to have people around you. Because if you don't, you lose alone, but we win together. Everybody say, I lose alone, but I'll win together. And we can see that happening in Scripture um, in Acts 4, 29 through 31. You see a passage of the early church facing persecution. And they all gathered together in a home. And they begin to pray. And here's what they said. They said, Lord, look upon the people's threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed in the place which they were gathered together, it was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Something happened when they came together that gave them power to deal with the stuff they were facing. Amen? You lose alone, but you win together. I want to show another picture of another group. This group here, they're not as spiritual. No, they really are. They really are. This is an amazing group. And so yesterday, this picture is fresh off the press. Yesterday, this group went to the Ocoee, the Ocoee River, and like, just like, like braved life and death, I mean, to, to go do this. And so they went whitewatering yesterday, and they're a small group. And I just want to kind of speak a little things that they said. Mark over there on the second to the right, Mark said, it's great being part of this small group for many reasons. The first that comes to mind is that it helps me to feel like I'm not alone. I don't have to do something or everything on my own, but I have a group of men that I can rely on to help me in times of need. They are there to support me when I need it. I've been part of other men's groups, but none like this. I feel as though I'm not just part of a journey group, but a family. Isn't that awesome? And where did this journey come from? Years ago, we started a small group, and it grew, and then Mitch took a bunch and started a group, and Jason took another group, and and they grew. And so what's beautiful is not only has Mitch now discipled into Chance, now this is Chance's group, the man in the middle that's one of our board members, Chance's group, you know? And Mitch, he said, the brotherhood has stretched me. I, I feel like a discipleship process has happened in this, you know? Mitch follows as a disciple, and he's been stretched. And then he pours into Chance. And Chance says, sometimes I question my purpose in the kingdom. As the leader of this journey group, I get a great sense of purpose. And Mitch has discipled Chance, and now Chance feels purpose. And he's growing in his walk with the Lord, and he's pouring in. And then God brings us a young man named Caleb. Caleb's the guy in the green helmet. He's like this, the, 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 the little, you know, little stud guy, you know. And, um, and he, he, man, the guy does like the, the, the sport kayaking, all that crazy stuff. And um, this was rafting here. But he's the one that organized this. And we baptized Caleb at the lake just in June, you know. He's just growing in the Lord. And so now Mitch pouring into Chance. Chance pouring into to Caleb. Watch what Caleb said. My brothers in that small group have picked me up in times of darkness. The gap of not yet. They have celebrated with me in times of joy. And they have loved regardless of actions. I can say with confidence, I would not be where I am today without them. 
being a part of that family has truly changed my life. Isn't that awesome? One final, the man on the far left, Matt, being with a group of like-minded men of God is an anchor in my life. It helps me attach, helps, helps, help, ah, stuttering bad today. Helps keep me attached to God and grounded in the reality to understand, you ready for this? I am not alone in this journey. You see that? I'm not alone. When people come together, powerful things happen. That, that group that was gathered in the book of Acts together, it says now the full number of those who believe are of one heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things they had belonged to their own self, but they had everything in common. I mean, like these men watch out for each other. Those ladies watch out for each other. And with great power, like an anointing came because they were taking care of each other and God was going to use them. 2,000 years later, you're still a product of what God did there with this group of, of people. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and gave to the apostles to distribute. They were all taking care of each other. Just powerful. Why do we have to do that? To take care of each other, to watch out for each other. Because every one of us goes through the gaps of not yet. Every one of us either has lost or is losing something or going through tension and waiting for that provision. And we need each other in that gap. Amen? Why? Because you lose alone, but we win together. I want, I, want, I want you to stand up. Barbara, come up. Stand up here. Face them. Tiffany, come on. Colby, I know how shy you are. Come on. Stand up here. Amen? Here's what happens when you begin to link up. You're not just alone in the crowd anymore, dealing with those feelings of insecurity. Now, you're not just also seeing people whose story, yeah, I wish, I wish I could connect with that story. I wish I, I, you're not, no. It's close. There's proximity that starts to take place. Brian, come up here. Amen. Amen. Draven, come up here. Get a teenager up here. Amen. Jess, come up here. Amen. Let's get somebody on this side. Nate, come up here. Amen. Johnny, come up here. Amen. And so you guys, now you're facing. And the thing about this is, together, you know, kind of arch a little bit so you can see each other. Just go forward a little on this side, and you guys go forward a little on that side. You can kind of see each other. Together, it's like, man, we... We can, we can handle this. It's not, it doesn't feel as awkward. Like when they were alone, like, like, like I, Tiffany's got guns, okay? She's got guns. But when she was over here alone, you know, and if somebody wanted to attack, they could, right? Like, 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 like mama, like somebody could go after, you know, like Colby, he was big as he is, strong as he is, alone. But now you got this group, it's like, no, they're not going to, like, we're a threat to you. You know, there's a sense of strength that comes in that group, you know, that, that sense of insecurity. It just doesn't feel as awkward standing in front of everybody, facing everybody, because you got a few people together and not just distantly connected, but closely connected. That, guys, is to me what being a part of small groups is all about. It's a group of people that realize that we lose alone, but we win together. And together, we have an opportunity to pray for each other. We heard those testimonies. To encourage one another. To be discipled. To know what it means to follow Christ and to follow him well. 
to learn God's word. We, we, in those environments, man, it helps us bridge the gap of not yet. Because everyone in this room, we're headed somewhere. And we need allies on the journey. And to me, that's what small groups are all about. And is this whole sermon about small groups? This whole sermon is about how important it is to connect with people. All right? If you can get four or five, three or four people in your life, my small group is small. It's just a few people. If you can get a few people in your life and they're not part of momentum, God bless you. Like, it's not about momentum. All right? I'm saying that you need these people. But as a church, we know how powerful it is when we're all going together, you know, people from our church with other people connected in small groups. And so we help to create those environments. And actually, we don't. Like people like Natalie just says, hey, let's do this, you know. And then Pastor Brian, that's over discipleship and journey groups, he helps to keep it organized and cohesive. And so you guys can go sit down. Thank them if you would. So on, Jan, on August 27th, August 27th, that morning when service is over and, and there'll be booths out there, tables, different things that will be promoting our small groups. And so we're having a journey group connect that day. You want to be a part of a group? You can come and check things out that are offered. Or you might be like Natalie, you know, and just say, you know what, I, I want to start a group. What's that look like? Pastor Brian will help you know what that looks like, what the steps are to take to start a group, all right? If you just have one friend with you, that's a group that starts. You know, it doesn't take a lot of people to, to begin a group, and then it adds. And so I just want to encourage you that wherever you are right now emotionally, if, you, if you're being honest and you feel like, man, I'm on the verge of losing everything, that's the steps to take like David. Go to God. Be encouraged in Him. But don't be satisfied just even being alone with God. God wants you to connect with people. He uses people on the journey as allies on the way to his provision for you to help bridge the gap of not yet. If right now, everybody bow your heads. If right now you're going through the gap of not yet, would you be honest with me and just raise your hand? You're going through some stuff right now. Yeah, I see hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you right now. God, I ask that you would just give them peace that passes all understanding, that you would comfort, strengthen their hearts, Lord, that, Lord God, they would know that you're working all things out for their good. I ask for that, Jesus. And along the journey, that you would begin to bring people their way to connect, to strengthen, to help them. Stand in agreement for what you want to do in their lives, God. And we lift them to you. We look forward to this next season of ministry here at Momentum Church. Just, Lord God, I thank you. I sense, Lord God, just you are up to something. Let us catch up to you. Let us follow and chase after you, Jesus. You have your way in our lives. In your name, everybody say amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.